Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. And in this episode, what I want to do is I want to do two things. One, give you basically non-ideological reasons to be skeptical of government as a solution to things. Okay, so that's the first thing. So it's not even necessarily a practical reason to be libertarian. Um, just a general, just this is why maybe government isn't the right answer to whatever your problem is. And second, also practical reasons to vote Jorgensen in 2020. Okay, so the idea here is, yes, I'm a libertarian. I am an ideological. I believe that it's just morally wrong to hurt people and it's morally wrong to take people's stuff. But you might be, a, you might not be ideologically where I'm at. And so just saying, hey, my morality is why I'm voting this way is not necessarily going to be compelling to you. Or why I, my morality is why I think this situa- this is the wrong answer might not be compelling to you. So I'm, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to focus on just sort of practical, logical reasons why government is not a good answer for things. Okay? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the problem is. We all have maybe different views on what different problems are. But no matter what the problem is, these, the, the reasoning is the same. One is government is slow. Okay, at the end of the day, for government to do anything, there has to be political will, which means, let's say you want to pass, you want to reform the tax code. Okay, people have been wanting to reform the tax code forever or, you know, pass this criminal justice reform or do this or do that. It takes oftentimes decades for it to happen. Why? Because you need to elect people who are willing to do the thing. And the people who generally get elected only were willing to do the thing if it means they will be reelected. So not only there has to be a moment, not only do people who want to do the thing have to be elected, but usually the people who really just want to do it, there are not enough votes to pass the laws or the rules. You need other people to vote for who are going to be oftentimes just more purely political. They just go with sort of what the political wins are. So in that case, you're talking about years upon years of having to spend millions, if not billions of dollars on political organizing to make a dent in the issue. Or at least just a dent in the political will, not actually pass anything that actually changes anything. Meanwhile, the problem is going unaddressed directly. Okay, think about criminal justice. I mean, how many, that means decades of people still being jailed unjustly, uh, people being persecuted, or if you're talking about taxes, people getting their, their incomes reduced and their livelihoods staying challenging while you build um, all this momentum to do something someday. Imagine what could have happened if that money went to just direct action, okay? So, in you know, basically, instead of lobbying politicians, you know, actually sitting there and helping fund the battles in courts to help people now, okay? So there's this whole sort of time aspect, Okay, government's not going to do something now. You want something generally done now. Government's not going to do it because there's just too many steps for government to do something. Okay, uh, it, it truly has to kind of be a societal shift for anything to happen, and that takes decades. Two, um, power tends to corrupt. So, in the sense that generally. People who win in politics are people who are willing to just say, make promises and willing to say things that'll get them to that 51%. Okay? And you can't get 51% of the population to agree on anything. So that means you've made a lot of empty promises along the way. 
That's generally what happens. Either that or you haven't said anything at all, so no one has any reason to vote against you, which mean, which is the same or worse. Um, so in that case, chances are you're going to have a politician that's either not going to do anything because they're too scared of affecting their political chances, which goes back to my previous argument, or you're going to have someone who's really in politics because they enjoy having power. Or the only way they can keep their spot is by enjoying that power, so they, they're going to uh, have to return favors to people. and So you get people who say they want to do the thing you want to do, but they end up just doling out favors. And because you're always looking to government for the answer, they just have the ability to constantly dole out those favors within the process of saying they're doing the thing you want them to do. It just happens, okay? Because generally... People who don't want to abuse power don't seek power. So generally the people who should necessarily be in these positions, theoretically, aren't the ones seeking it. And to the extent that some do, they're very few. Not enough to make sort of a majority on a lot of these votes. Um, Also, there's just a lot of chefs in the kitchen. So even let's say you did have all the right people and you got them all elected now. So let's ignore my previous two arguments uh, regarding corruption and, and the slowness of government. There's just so it's hard to do it right because it's not that you just pass a law and then think they're magically better. People have to actually enact the law, so agencies have to be formed, and that's this also becomes a huge process. And not your average person who you know really is going to let's say let's say if you're a poor person who's going to benefit from this service for poor people, you don't have time to be going to all these hearings about how this organization is going to be set up, how this thing's going to be implemented. But people who might be able to benefit or, you know, they'll be able to be part of the process. So the pro- somewhere along the lines, again, if it doesn't get corrupted at the point where before it gets passed, after it gets passed in the implementation, also you're implementing it on a large scale. So if you make a mistake in the implementation, you're kind of stuck with it. And it's hard to reverse course because the, the implementation is so large that undoing the damage of the implementation can cause even more damage. Because you're doing it on such a large scale. And that's another problem. You know, we're passing a law, but a law is not the actual thing. The thing has to be done afterwards. And there's a good chance that it gets done wrong. Because people in politics don't know about every issue. I mean, one senator doesn't know everything about health care, about the military, about education, about parks. They don't. And yet they're appointing all these people. Um... And they're focused on other things, and then those people are appointing people, and you end up with a lot of people with a lot of different opinions, and you end up with this one large hodgepodge that's everyone's stuck with. After decades of getting the political will, after overcoming all those other problems. Okay, so you end up with sort of a real watered-down solution. So even if theoretically, if you have the right people who could do it quickly enough with the right solution, theoretically you may be able to imagine the benefit of doing something via government because it can do things at a larger scale, okay, and command larger amounts of resources right away because that's generally the argument. Hey, government's the only agency, only thing big enough to do things on a big scale and make sure that everyone has to participate to get the scale. The problem is implementation's probably going to be poor. It's going to take a long time. It just practically doesn't make sense. Okay, um, versus the alternative where you do things on a smaller scale, which you can do today. 
And if something doesn't work on a smaller scale, you can try it again in a different way and discover what the better way to do it is. There will be mistakes, okay? If you do experiments in education, there will be mistakes. If you do experiments in healthcare, there will be mistakes, but they'll be on a smaller scale instead of doing one big thing. And it's somewhat of a mistake and we're just stuck with it, okay? And yes, that thing done on a smaller scale, when something is good, it might get replicated, may not get replicated as fast as you would like. But again, there's sort of a, a, a quality control there because quality ideas will grow over time, even if it's not as fast as you'd like. But bad ideas won't expand as far as uh, won't expand as far as if you just tried to do one big effort, one big thing on everybody. OK, so that's probably to me like just right there's pretty compelling argument for why maybe trying to do some big national thing and force everyone into it is oftentimes a really bad idea because even if you can imagine it done doing being done right by the right people usually don't have the right people and they and even if you did they don't usually do it right okay these are all like different steps and people are imagining all these steps happening perfectly versus like me i'm not imagining like businesses are going to do it perfectly i am you know the the argument for like markets and smaller scales is because people are going to do it imperfectly. They are going to make mistakes. You are going to have greedy people. You are going to have good people, and it's the interplay between all of these interests where some things that are good will probably win out. That are a balance between sort of providing value between costs and profit. All these different considerations. You'll have something that kind of satisfies everybody's survive. It's not the best thing for anyone, but it's the best thing it's a better thing for most people because everyone's kind of got to be on board in a market context because if the person's not willing to buy it if someone's not willing to make it if someone's not willing to promote it like if you have all these different people these different people who have to kind of agree and consent in the process and if enough people pull out it just doesn't exist anymore now yes you need people to consent for a moment when it comes to 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 something like you need people to vote for people but once those people are voted in, once they've voted in the thing, the, the suddenly a withdrawal, like if those legislators regret what they voted on, too late. If the people regret on the legislators they voted on, too late. Okay, so a withdrawal of consent doesn't have the immediate effect that it does in sort of like a market context. And again, I'm not saying that markets suddenly immediately respond to every problem. They don't. They're imperfect. Okay, markets are imperfect. Government's imperfect. The question is, which one allows us to respond to those imperfections quicker? Uh, which one mitigates the scope of those problems uh, getting too big? So, I mean, that's sort of what I'm getting at. But to the extent that you vote for a Republican or a Democrat, you're going to get people who really enjoy power, who want to dole out favors um, to the people they've made promises to, because that's the nature of politics. Um, but if you vote for Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, you are going to vote for someone who doesn't. You're going to vote for people who do care, okay? And you may feel like, oh, I don't know, I'm very concerned about their odds. Well, their odds get better if you vote for them, okay? So that's one reason to vote for them. You actually make it possible for them to win. Doesn't mean the odds have changed. Doesn't mean necessarily the odds aren't still um, what they are, but you've made it more possible. You've shrank those odds by taking making the commitment to vote differently, And even win or lose, a a vote total that shows a significant portion of the population is tired of politics as usual does affect the conversation, does change the inertia of politicians assuming that people are just going to complacent and give them their vote at the end of the day. It does take that away. 
okay, and at least, and then that results in two things. First, politicians will try to pay you lip service. They'll say, okay, well, we ignored you, so let's start paying you lip service. And if you continue to vote differently, you continue to say, hey, lip service is not enough. We want action. Then maybe they actually do things you care about. Like that's one potential possibility of saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to just give you my vote because you scared me into it. You actually have to do something I believe in. Um, if not, I am going to vote in a different direction. If like if my vote's going to be meaningless because you're not going to do anything anyways, I might as well at least vote for something I believe in. Um, that's going to actually influence. I mean, at the end of the day, you take a look at Republicans and Democrats, they pay a lot of lip service to their bases, um, but at the end of the day, they cater to the median voter, the voter who just doesn't feel strongly either way because they can't take them for granted. So voting uh, for Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen can at least break that complacency um, as well. But at the same time, if the Libertarian Party does continue to grow, does continue to amass resources, it can be a party that can make some changes. It might not necessarily be, again, immediate changes. Again, the whole problem with government is the slowness of it. But you start seeing more Libertarian uh, city council people that can make actual changes pretty quickly. Um, you start seeing people, you start having people who are speaking Libertarian ideas. Part of it, which is just basically telling people to not look to government for the answer, to actually sit there and try to find answers in themselves. Okay, you start hearing that idea more. That also changes how individuals act, and you actually start having real change in society when people start changing the way they look for answers and giving a platform to people like Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen uh, on a grander scale can actually influence the culture in that direction. Win or lose, they'll start. In, the people who listen to them, the people who get exposed to them, may start changing the way they look at problems and solutions. Okay, that's a pretty good reason to try to give them more platform through your donations, through your vote, through your time. Um, so, you know, you may not change the world tomorrow by embracing libertarianism or voting libertarian in 2020, but you'll probably change the world more than if you didn't. Okay, because the minute you start trying to seek solutions that you can put into place in your life for the people you care about, you're already starting to create change. The moment more and more people start to vote libertarian, you start changing the conversation. Again, it doesn't necessarily change the world completely overnight, but you're going to change the world more than you would if you hadn't. And to me, that is an amazing reason to um, get involved not just with the libertarian part but with the libertarian idea the libertarian ideal of realizing that the world's not going to be perfect there's no perfect way to solve problems but if we give people freedom to try different solutions um you might be able to find the solutions that you need that most people can be okay with quicker and they can grow quicker and bad ideas can be held accountable quicker not perfectly i'm not saying things are going to be perfect but better than the alternative. Okay? So at the end of the day, I'm telling you, get involved with the Libertarian Party. Vote for Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen. Vote against the two-party system in the United States. Not because the world's going to be perfect. Not because everything's going to change overnight tomorrow. But because you'll have changed it more than you would have had you hadn't done that. My name is Alex Merced. Um, I'm just a libertarian guy, former vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee, now just 
a podcaster. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this, share this episode with your friends, uh, especially in this year. This year we want to kind of get that message out there to as many people as possible. And uh, hopefully you subscribe to my podcast and uh, hear other things I'm going to say in the future and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes where I talked about all sorts of cool issues in, in practical ways and ideological ways. But just always try to give sort of a an opinion of substance, an opinion that is reflective, an opinion that will hopefully get you to think about how you think. My name is Alex Merced. Have a great day and enjoy.